Hello everybody and welcome to the Wicked Side. As always, we want to issue a trigger warning. The things we talk about can get a little dark, a little distressing, and a little depressing. And today's episode may be a little gory, so if this isn't your kind of entertainment, you might want to find something else. And if you're good with it, welcome to the Wicked Side. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wicked Side. This is Brenna. Hey, everybody, it's Tam. Okay, that was weak. <laughs> that, was, that was an anemic arrow, too. <laughs> <sighs> that was the beauty. Ones. <laughs> I was like, it's the beauty of not being able to see the screen anymore. <laughs> All the fun's gone. <laughs> yeah, yep. Oh, man, it is a gorgeous day today. I know, and here we are, stuck inside listening to you telling me semi-terrible things. <laughs> Maybe not this season so much, but, you know. I was going to say, hey, There's look, no... this season was designed yeah, to give you yeah. a bit of a break. Okay? There, there are no strangled <laughs> grandmothers in this episode. No, no. no Meemaws be choked. So, <laughs> mm. I'll take it. Are you enjoying your whiskey after a long, successful week of tattooage? No, I, yeah, I kicked ass this week. Um, yeah, I am. I am tired. I'm fucking tired. I say she has joined me for an unusually tall glass uh, mm-hmm. of uh, pre-podcast whiskey. whiskey. Yep. I already fired my cigar, uh, finished my first glass, and I'm well on to the second. So yeah. we'll see how this goes. Usually I don't, I don't have anything until after because I always worry about like, I want to present everything well. Yeah. So I always worry that it will affect my performance. But this week was fucking hard, so <laughs> I, 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 I deserve think co- it. <laughs> I think a couple of shots will like uh, loosen it up a little bit, maybe. L- lubricate your pronunciation <laughs> of some of these words. No. <laughs> I think that is optimism. <laughs> That's what I think that is. <laughs> I think it's very cute that you hope. <laughs> oh, man. At least I'm over here wishing for you, you know? Fair, fair. I can't be mad at that, so... Oh, well, cheers, sister, to a long, hard week at work and to a wonderful podcast yet to come. Uh, Yes. yes. So what are we getting into today? All right. Well, today I am telling you about who you are because um, this is kind of one where I'm not sure if you would guess or if you'd guess right away. It's going to be one or the other. So you're either going to figure it out real quick or you're not going to figure it at all. So I'm just going to tell you from the start. And really, it's a story that can't be told without her name. So fair. All right. So, Tom, for today's episode, we're sending you far back into history again. And once more, I'm telling you who you are. Our story is short, but an important one. I, You know, I thought it was going to be short. It's actually seven pages long. So, Well, let's find out. <laughs> I, I made it a little longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, so let's begin. You were born female around 30 AD. Oh, sweet. Yep. Always in, a good time. Uh, what is now known as Great Britain. However, you are not British. It simply didn't exist then. You are Boudicca. Your name has been debated for a while, but scholars largely agree that your name is more likely Boudicca. Um, there's also another pronunciation, which is Boudicca, but... Mm. Fair enough. I've, I've heard both. Yeah. Either way, we do know that it means victory. And you were a member of many tri- one of the many tribes that were scattered throughout the landscape at the time. Not just a member, though. You were queen. Noise. Yeah. So it might not been that might not have been so bad for you in the era of 
380. Yeah, um, if not for a little forest called, you know, the Romans. But <laughs> yeah, 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 they ruined a lot of things, too. <laughs> Your people were known as the Iceni. And they were part of a cultural shift in the way people lived. You see, most of tribes had been warrior nomadic shepherds at that point, uh, similar to how the Mongols were. Okay. So, hmm. yeah. But uh, you lived in an Iron Age society, descending from Celtic travelers. Farming tools had evolved to become much better, which meant, of course, that farming became more common and easier to do. Most of these tribes used natural landmarks to dictate their boundaries. So things like rivers, rock formations, um, you know, anything that they could naturally like point to and say, that's the boundary, you know? Right. And at the time, Celtic languages had become the most common that people used. So your home, your homes were all similar. They were circular with walls made from a technique called wattle and dab. This means they used large vertical stakes driven into the ground, and then they used like flexible like um, twigs and branches, wove them in between those stakes, and then they would put a layer of like mud on the outside to kind of fill in all the cracks and keep you know weather out. Yeah, yeah. Essentially. Nice. Yeah. All natural eco housing. Let's go. <laughs> yes. You could grow your crops on the outside of your house. Do it. <laughs> they also had large roofs that were kind of conical shaped or cone shaped and they were thatched. This meant when the winter months started creeping near, you and your people would set aside livestock, some to keep. And those, what you would keep would be for like breeding mm-hmm. for, you know, the next year. Yep. But everything else got slaughtered. And then it was either salted or smoked to preserve the meat throughout the winter season. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That is, I've always, I've always been interested in the survival of the winter post or pre um, refrigeration and all that fun stuff. You know, how they preserve their own stuff, you know, pre industrial age chemical, all that fun stuff, Mm -hmm. like all natural ways, how, how these people lived every winter and how they made it through. How they did things. Uh, Yeah. That's the one thing I envy about uh, wilderness living. I would love to go spend a winter like, you know, or, you know, spend the pre-winter months prepping, getting all the wood, getting, you know, everything right. And then spending it just feeding fire or feeding logs to the fire and and keeping whatever you've got going. Mm -hmm. Like, ah. Yeah. Yep. Simple life. I want that. (laughs) I, no. (laughs) I mean, in theory. Like, I never wanted to get too complicated, but I really like air conditioning, so. Well, in the wintertime, you don't need that, but. Yeah, exactly. But, like, in the summer and. uh, Oh, man. The way you can go nowadays, plenty of just enough solar panels and get, you can run a lot of stuff. Battery bank. You're good. They uh, also apparently kept grain in, like, large, like, divots in the floor. Like, they would dig out, like, little cellars and they'd keep grain in them. Nice. Yeah, it was really interesting and of course there was a hearth located like in the center and it would like give off a lot of smoke you know but apparently it was kind of one of those things where just people were just used to it mm-hmm. they were just sitting it <laughs> they weren't <laughs> like they were like all right this sucks but this is part of it so we're just gonna we're just gonna do this <laughs> fair fair all right your people also began to develop trade skills so jewelry making was starting to become a thing mm-hmm. um you saw more adornment and then blacksmithing blacksmithing in general started becoming a bigger bigger thing so weapons you know um tools everything like that it was just becoming um a bigger industry it was starting to become an industry i should say mm-hmm. also uh clothing would have started to 
change a little bit too. Primarily, it was wool or animal hide worn by your people. Mm-hmm. But textiles were starting to kind of become a thing too. A little more refined textiles, I should say. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Now, while all of this is interesting, it doesn't really sound like it would stand much of a chance against Roman invaders. And that's because it didn't. Aha! (laughs) Tribes fought between each other all the time, and most had no alliances or connections with one another. Even as Romans began their attacks, and the Romans were well-armed, well-armored, and well-trained, the tribes were not. Some had chainmail, but most fought with limited clothing or covered in a blue paint or dye known as woad, or just wearing animal skins. I mean, the Celtic warriors all, all, you know, Mm -hmm. were famous for running into battle with erections and nothing. But yeah. They they would they were known for dual wielding weapons, being butt naked and being so excited for the ensuing battle that it was showing in their manhood. Yep. <laughs> like that is fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just being a chick, but a naked dude runs at me with a boner, and I'm going to be like, hmm. You don't even need the swords. <laughs> you don't even need the swords. No, nope, that's like, enough whoa, to scare me. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I am running in the opposite direction, and I don't run, so that says something. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. No, you don't even need the swords. Like, whoa, whoa, bro. Nope, whoa, nope. whoa. <laughs> Come on. <sighs> Anyway, uh, they they believed that armor would just hinder their mobility, but they also believed that Wode might have had some sort of... They think they might have believed that Wode had some sort of magical properties that protected them. Though I would think losing an armor in a leg would hinder your progress much more than armor, so maybe armor, you know. But yeah, what they did have, though, were chariots of a sort. They were constructed of wood and wicker, and from there you could have one person driving and one person throwing spears at the enemy. Uh, It's still... Wasn't enough, though. Right. But we will go into how those chariots were used in battle later, because it is actually really interesting. So your husband was a man named Prasitagus. I'm pretty sure this was a uh, Age of Empires expansion. (laughs) (laughs) It very well might have been. I'm not saying that facetiously, I actually think. (laughs) Yeah. He was the king of the Iceni, and with him, you had two daughters. To try to ensure the Romans would not invade, burn, or sack his people, um, as they had to the other tribes around them, he offered Emperor Nero a position as co-heir along with his daughters. So, one source stated that it was believed that because there was no mention of Boudicca at all, it was com- she was completely left out of the will, that she had pretty strong anti-Roman sem- uh, sentiments before even like going in. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, she has all the reason to be anti-roman yeah yeah but he hoped this would protect his people and keep their independence this made the iceni what the romans would call a client kingdom unfortunately for your husband he died in 60 ad and i couldn't find out how i just simply there's just no record of how he died all we know is that he died fair so I, I couldn't tell you if it was violence. I couldn't tell you if it was illness. There's just nothing. It's a god awful long time ago. Yeah, it is. It really is. Anything other than the date, we just couldn't find. And hey, the, the fact that we still have these stories is a testament to how powerful it might be. Yes. Yeah. And this is where everything went horrifically wrong. The Roman governor of Britain at the time was a man named Satonus Paulinus. And he left a man in charge named Asidius Cadissus. And who... or. 
Yeah, yeah. Cut- the whiskey Cut- did yes. not help your pronunciations. No. Fuck off. Who <laughs> 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 instead of honoring the agreement <laughs> with the king, wanted a full inventory of everything the king had owned and decided to take it for himself. He, the governor's representative, attacked plundered buildings and people taking everything of value but this wasn't the only insult women had very little value to romans it was a very patriarchal society whereas with britain tribes at the time they were both they were a mix of both there were as many female leaders and warriors as there were you know men in those positions right so it wasn't unusual to have a queen it wasn't unusual right you know um, well, I mean, there were other large civilizations the Romans came uh, up against that were the same things. The Egyptians didn't have a problem with that either. Yeah, but they didn't want they didn't want to honor any deals between women. Essentially, they didn't feel like they had any any value after that. So for Boudicca or her daughters, not, they didn't mean anything. Hmm. Yeah, she wouldn't have been recognized as a legitimate ruler. Neither would her daughters. So in an ultimate move of disrespect and to keep the tribal peoples intimidated, they tied and had you flogged before everyone and your two daughters were unfortunately raped in front of everybody. Dick bags. Come on. Yep. Both acts were extremely brutal, but since one is common today and I, you know, extremely distasteful in detail, it's all distasteful, but we, we pretty much know how the one goes. So I'm going to fixate on the other. The flogging is exactly what it what it sounds like. It was so bad that Romans even considered this a form of torture. Mm. Uh, torture so bad, in fact, that it wasn't even used on Roman citizens. And it had the nickname the half-death because half of the time the victims died. Jeez. Yeah. The whip itself was similar to the modern-day cat of nine tails, and it was made of leather with bits of metal and bone at the ends. Ugh. Yeah. Oftentimes, the victim died in the process, and it wasn't uncommon for the skin to be ripped away until bones started to show through. It was a horrific thing to do, and it was a horrific thing to experience. There were even Roman citizens who fought against it being used on anyone, period. Which is saying something, considering how badly Romans were known to treat people in general. The physical and psychological effects were absolutely devastating. Ugh. Yeah. Wow. Way to shoot this one up. Just just make it happy. I thought I was designed to enjoy this fucking season. God. You like rapes and whips. Ah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Tacticus was um, a man we'll talk more about later, but he wrote a lot about you in his manuscript, The Annals of the Betrayal of the Romans, in a translation done by Alfred John Church. He described it thus. His kingdom was plundered by centurions, that meaning the king. Um, of the Iceni, his house by slaves, as if they were the spoils of war. First, his wife, Boudicca, was scourged, which means flogged, and his daughters outraged. All the chief men of the Iceni, as if the Roman had received their whole country as a gift, were stripped of their ancestral possessions, and the king's relatives were made into slaves. So, yeah, not not good. This is a pretty big Uh, betrayal on the part of the Romans. I Um, mean, yeah. Yeah, but the plundering didn't stop the Romans from demanding the same tributes they had always demanded. See, you compared the tribes earlier to the to the more the Mongols, where mm-hmm. militarily and and morally speaking, the Romans are much closer. Yeah, but <laughs> to be fair, I was comparing their way, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the everyday the, citizens' yeah. way of life. Yeah, where so. where this is more reflective of of yeah. how the Mongols ran their empire. Yeah. Ugh. Yep. 
So they still wanted loans repaid, and they still wanted men provided to be soldiers, and they still wanted food, and they still wanted other goods. Which, of course, was next to impossible to provide after the Romans left the tribes with little to nothing. So the Romans dealt out more punishment, and people were kidnapped and sold as slaves. They also began destroying the Druid religious sites. Now, for as for a long time, it was believed that the Roman description of Druids being cannibals and, and going to human sacrifice could have been propaganda meant as an excuse to destroy Druidic religions and uh, Druidic religious sites. They even described building wooden effigies and stuffing them with people and then lighting them on fire. I did look into this to see if there was any evidence that this had actually ever happened. And um, if it or if it was just like an excuse, you know, given for why they were doing horrible things. Okay. And it turns out there is a little bit of evidence. There is something called the Lindau man. Um, He was found and it changed a lot of the views on whether or not the Druids were one way or another. Okay. So the Lindau man is a bog mummy. Now, for those who don't know or might be newer, I did talk quite a bit about bog mummies on a previous episode. But basically, these are ancient bodies that have been incredibly well preserved by a heavy clay soil known as peat. And it creates sort of a seal around the body that prevents decomposition and rotting, which is all caused by bacteria, things like that. So it it basically seals all that shit out and protects it from the elements. So you get incredibly, and I do mean incredibly well-preserved bodies. Wow. Like hair, skin, nails, those kind of things. Oh, nice. To the point where we can even tell the contents of their stomach. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. It is really, really cool. Tattoos, too. We've been able to find tattoos on skin um, from various things like this, which... Of course, that's interesting to me. But... So there were dirt bags all the way back then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fuck off. <laughs> uh, but anyway, oh, um, in this case, it. <laughs> it was the body of the young a young man who was in his 20s. His nails were trimmed and his hair was trimmed, suggesting he was someone in status, possibly even a druid himself. He also had a large wound across his throat made by a sharp object. Yeah. Oh, nice. He had been strangled as well, and his head was, quote, violently smashed. Who is this, Rasputin? (laughs) This, along with other evidence, leads experts to believe he was a victim of ritual sacrifice. His death was dated around 60 AD, so it would fall directly into our timeline out of events. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeehaw. Yeah. Not quite the mass bloodshed the Romans described, though, but evidence that their claims weren't completely without merit. However, they were also by no means justification for the brutality. Kind of one of those things where it sounds like, yes, they did some related human sacrifice, but not quite on the scale that the Romans are claiming it happened at. I mean, look, At least that's what I gathered from my research. Again, not a professional historian, just an enthusiast, so I could be wrong. But from what I read and what was presented, that's sort of what it feels like to me the yeah. information was saying so i mean i'm sure right around this time the aztecs were kicking heads down the fucking pyramids or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um there was discontent brewing all over more and more anger was building up toward the invaders and more and more blood was being shed resources and land were being forcibly taken and enough was finally enough Boudicca gathered forces from all around and started uniting the tribes getting them to work together something that hadn't been done before she amassed an army 
and began her quest for revenge. And there was little doubt in anyone's mind that revenge is exactly what she was after. This wasn't, um, yeah, this wasn't a get off our land. This is, I'm going to hurt as many of you as I possibly can. Yeah. yeah. I'm killing everybody I can get my hands on. (sighs) Um, and that was something, too, in one of the documentaries that I was watching where they said victims of this particular flogging were known to, like, go into sort of this manic state afterwards if they survived, where they were hell-bent on revenge. Hmm. Like, it was so brutal that it became, like, everything else in their mind was wiped out. All they wanted was revenge. That was the only thing they lived for. It was the only thing they craved. It was the only thing that was going to get them through to the next day. Oof. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, so it uh, gives you an idea how fucking brutal it was a whole and 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 then you know the daughters and the yeah yeah at that point i'm sure everybody goes frank castle right yeah everybody oh goes, yeah everybody turns into the punisher after that yeah i i don't think anybody could really blame her for wanting to fight back so <laughs> yeah want she uh, sounds like needed. Uh, legendarily <laughs> yeah. she did it yes yeah the governor we mentioned earlier was actually across the island at the time um, going after druids refugees and rebels this was when we started cutting down this is when they started cutting down the sacred groves which he claimed were scenes of carnage and human sacrifice so um, these groves of course were druidic sites they were where the religion was heavily practiced so in and amongst nature oh, so 1325's version of burn the witch i mean seems that way yeah so yes it started in um and again i'm gonna fuck these up (laughs) it goes without saying yeah (laughs) she started with mm, camelodonium what it now yeah i'm not saying it again (laughs) you you get one that's it (laughs) she she camelo what Although my brain went in a different direction because then I started like thinking Boy George songs. So. <laughs> oh boy. All anyway, right. um, but with this is modern day Colchester, uh, which was largely undefeated settlement for Roman citizens at the time and tribal citizens who had accepted Roman rule. She was without mercy, killing every man, woman, and child that she came across. All right, Anakin. Jeez. Yeah. She had it burned to the ground and some of the citizens crucified. Some people made it to a temple that held out for about two days until it too fell. And then everyone inside was dragged out to suffer a very gruesome death. The temple itself was torn down, which was seen as a further insult. They even went into Roman graveyards and started desecrating the graves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, I didn't kill you, but I hope you fucking die again. Uh, Ah! Yep. She just didn't want them to suffer, you know, in life. She wanted them to suffer in the afterlife. (laughs) All right, boys, the new lavatory's open. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. The uh, governor, Suetonius Paulinus, was around 200 miles away, as I said before, but he saw this rebellion as especially dangerous. Roman forces were stretched very thin all across the island nation at this time. He was worried that if he moved his troops from regions where they had already conquered, rebels would then feel empowered and rise up and reclaim these areas. The governor's representative, um, Decetus Cadius, Cadius, um, whose greed and cruelty had sparked all of this actually fled. Like he fled to Gaul because he was like, "Mm, so I might've started something boss. I'm sorry. Like, Uh, um, I'm just going to leave time to get out (laughs) of town. I'm just going to go. 
uh, have fun cleaning up my mess. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get a head start on the yeah. executioner squad and just leave. Yeah, I can't imagine at that point anybody was happy with him, you know, on either on either side. He roused the ire of the abused tribes and caused an already strained Roman force to be strained even further. You see, most of the time, a tribe that surrendered to Romans were left relatively alone um, as they wanted the resources the tribe offered and the manpower to gather those resources. That was the goal. Mm-hmm. So when people went in and were especially greedy and took so much that these these societies could no longer function roman society was no longer benefiting Mm -hmm. so like that person's greed was leading to uh less for roman general they Mm -hmm. were choosing themselves over rome essentially is how it it was viewed Hmm. so anyway um they weren't always kind to these tribes but it was better than you know all-out battle and having your whole town burned to the ground (laughs) <laughs> now I like again sounds like the moguls and stuff now where people mm-hmm. are just like ah get the fuck out of the way yeah oh, oh also something i don't think i talked about too but it really interesting is how um these tribal towns were kind of set up they had a bunch of these homes that we described earlier right but then they had like packed earth earthen walls that went like around the whole thing kind of creating forts oh okay and then they had a series of like really fucking confusing like paths that went all throughout. It. So, huh, nice. Yeah. So they, it, it didn't provide much protection against the yeah. Romans and just all a of bit their, of a mini game, yeah. a loading screen, if you will. <laughs> but against each other, you know, it was pretty effective. Again, it was just Romans were a whole new bag that they were just not ready for. So. Uh. Yeah. Lex next but next ha <laughs> next was Londinium, modern day London, which has relics of battle in museums to this day, and every now and then they will like be revamping something or renovating and they will find like remnants from these battles. Oh wow. Like still they're still discovering all the damage. That's awesome. So your forces took no prisoners. And as I said before, it was described that women and children were actually received the worst treatment from Boudicca's forces, including, but certainly not limited to impaling. There were also some gruesome stories in some of the research that I found. And again, I don't know how much of this is true and how much of it is just propaganda. Um, But one of the things that I came across a few times was that she would have the breasts cut off women and then sewn around their mouths. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah. That's some fucking horror movie shit. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Again, I just don't know how true this is or if this is an exaggeration. However, it was certain that no one was spared the cruelty of battle. Again, it was all burned. And to to this day, ruins are still being discovered. Wow, what a rampage. Yeah. And and after this, there was Virelium. I guess there were some Mimas being strangled then. Fuck! God damn it. And more and more tribes were joining Boudicca's cause at this point. It was speculated that the Romans were outnumbered 20 to 1. And the governor found himself and his men with less men after every battle, while his enemies were actually gaining more and more. He was in a situation that looked very grim, surrounded by angry and abused people who weren't afraid to get abusive right back. He knew the best shot he had 
for him and his men was to control where the battle took place. Now today, of course, with the passage of time, we aren't 100% sure where exactly this took place, but it's believed it was, um, again, bear with me, Mandusum? 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 I'm not going to butcher it anymore. But anyway, modern-day Manchester. So... Um, the space he chose was at the top of a hill with a forest behind him and his men. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Now, here's another big difference between the two forces. When Boudicca's forces approached, it wasn't organized war, cri- war cries that was heard. You know, the unison kind of like very, you know, everything mm-hmm. was very structured. Um, for Boudicca's forces, it was a riot of noise. Everybody was screaming. Everybody was shouting. Everybody had different war cries. It was a cacophonous wave mm-hmm. that like just crashed right into the Romans. Jeez. Yeah. And it was intimidating. I mean, it was crazy intimidating. I mean, she's been a natural disaster up to this point. Mm-hmm. Uncaring and brutal. Just yes. sparing none. Yeah. Oof. To be fair, the Romans weren't exactly concerned with the safety of women and children either. So, yeah. The governor's men had faced this before and were recorded to have been so unnerved during one battle where they were approaching a shore, right? Mm Mm-hmm. They were in boats. They were approaching the shore. And all of the the Celtic tribal warriors were standing on land. And they were screaming, shouting, just women like they said that there was women clad all in black that were standing there ready for battle just screaming and it was so intimidating that the roman troops almost didn't get off the boats (laughs) he had to basically (laughs) shame them into going and he's like we have weapons better weapons and armor they're naked like go hurt them you know what are you afraid of like half their forces are women and things like that like yeah all it's of that, that they're naked and screaming that makes them more go. intimidating like we are well armed and now yeah. quivering in all of this armor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep yeah like i said he basically had to shame them <laughs> into going to fight these people during that particular battle um so at this point they were i wouldn't didn't want to say adjusted but you know, I, I can't imagine it ever gets less intimidating to come across that. You know, I I don't. I mean, when you see people with real, you know, intent and real rage and real, you know, genuine, you know, just that fire. I don't mm-hmm. know. I can't imagine. Yeah. So on Boudicca's side, men and women began to prepare for battle, and they began to advance, with her leading on a chariot. But Roman troops had adjusted to their enemy. When they first faced off against the tribes of Britain, they were unprepared for the type of battle they were about to engage in. So the chariots were super effective in driving through the troops and basically splitting everything apart, which of course made them easier to pick off. They had adjusted and they started keeping uh, the cavalry and infantry really close together and using them in tandem. It helped basically make the chariots ineffective okay so once they were working together even if they were split they still knew what to do kind of thing thus neutralizing the strategy against them nice yep 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 also Boudicca's forces were very unorganized they were used to fighting in individual tribal groups they weren't used to working as a huge army so yes you have all this manpower but without a plan yeah, it's all kind of just thrown at the wall. Exactly. You're literally just 
throwing a bunch of darts and seeing what sticks. And a lot of them are going to hit the floor. Yep. You know? Yep. They also made another... Boudicca's Force made a very, very critical tactical mistake that came back and bit them in the ass in a very hard way. Whereas the Romans had the forest behind them, the Britain tribes had lined wagons behind them and they were heavy with the spoils of war. On top of these wagons sat the family of the tribal warriors so they could watch the battle unfold. And you could probably <laughs> see where this is going to go horribly wrong. Oh, yeah. When the small Roman army was putting up heavy and unexpected resistance, some of the tribes began to lose their nerve and began retreating and trying to regroup, only there was nowhere to retreat and regroup to. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And there was simply no stopping a force that was as disciplined, as well-armored and armed as the Romans were. So the Romans kept advancing and perhaps in the heat of battle or as acts of revenge they ended up pinning the warriors back with the wagons and slaughtering everyone man woman child everyone mm-hmm. yeah yep without the tribes working together it was just it was just chaos you know yep and in the confusion things just kept falling apart roman spears took out horses and the men were pressing the British troops together so much that the chariots just weren't able to move to. So they weren't effective. They couldn't get through their own people to mm. Yeah. But the battle itself, I guess, wasn't particularly long. The battle was over pretty, pretty quickly, despite the Romans being wildly outnumbered. The slaughter, however, that happened afterwards went on for a while. Oof. Gruesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> I think I've gone into enough gory detail today. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. But as for you, our warrior queen, you died soon after, though no one is sure really how. Some say you took poison to avoid the humiliation and agony of a slow death at Roman hands. Others claim illness, and considering what a filthy affair battle is and was, it wouldn't surprise me either. Or it's possible her own people just outraged by the results and the horrific failure and the Roman retribution might have turned against her and, you know, taken her out as well. But it's largely believed that she chose to end things on her terms with poison. That's what the most commonly held belief is. Huh. So... Man, I don't don't know. I mean, I guess it's never a way I would choose to go out, mm -hmm. but... I... To each of their own, if that's how... If that's what you choose. Mm Mm-hmm. I honestly, I find it really likely because of how brutal the Romans were to any yeah. any higher ups they Better captured. Caught. Yeah, yeah, and then often they were paraded like through Roman cities. You know, like just the ultimate humiliation. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah or dragged behind chariots. Like this is the body of my of my enemy. Yeah, so, that's uh, yeah. yeah. I guess. I mean, at least you're dead then. Exactly. Yep. Unfortunately, too, no one knows where your final resting place is. Although, I guess there is, like, rumors that um, her burial is actually, like, under, like, King's Crossing Station, I guess. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, I'm like... But, again, it's just rumors and speculation. We don't actually know. Maybe you have to take platform nine and three quarters to find (laughs) it. To find her. Ugh. God. While you, of course, didn't suffer the long-term effects of this rebellion, your people did. Tribes were destroyed, villages were burned, and little food was left because farmers had left their fields to fight. 
Uh, so what yeah. was there, what little was there, was either seized by Roman forces or absolutely destroyed. Finally, a Roman politician put a stop to the governor's rampage. The reasoning being the governor wasn't leaving much to rule in his wake. It took a long time, a long, long time for the lands to recover. That's how bad this rampage was. Jeez. Like, he basically lost his shit. I guess the politician in question... Um, I could not pronounce his name, which is why it's not in here. I tried several times on my own. I practiced a lot, and I failed spectacularly. So It's never stopped you before. I know. I know. But there's only so much butchering I can handle. So Fair enough. But anyway, I guess he was actually eventually buried like in Britain because he stood up so much and said, Stop doing this shit. You know? There's no need for this. This is not what we're here for. Just stop. This is cruelty for the sake of cruelty, and we're done. Oh, nice. So yeah. some voice of reason. Yeah, I don't know that he didn't necessarily for for the people. Um, it could have been just economic. You know, he felt like it just didn't make sense. Or it could have been he had a spark of humanity. I really don't know one way or another. So, Nobody else does either. Yeah. So or it could be a mix of both, which is probably the most likely, I would think. Yeah. It's always in a shade of gray, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which it doesn't make it wrong. No. Hey, the fact is it happened. Yep. Yep. What we know about you comes mostly from Roman records. The first known records came from a man named, as we talked about earlier, Tacticus, almost 40 years after the events of the Boudican Rebellion. And it was his father-in-law, a man named Agricola, who governed uh, the then province of, uh, province of Britain in 78 AD, almost 17 years after the warrior queen had led her people in battle against the Roman Empire. So he had, you know, at least he had like a direct line to someone who had like dealt with the aftermath, heard all the stories, gathered all the stories, and probably he had access to people who had been there or seen it and was able to document everything. Yeah, fair, yeah. So, yeah. And that, Tom, is the Wicked Edge of the Warrior Queen, Boudicca. Not a subject I knew about deeply. Yeah. Something I'd heard about I, mostly through games and probably online Facebook lists of top 10 people well, you've never heard of. What's <laughs> really interesting to me... And uh, more than a few people have said she would hate this. But today, there are statues of her all over. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. However, Britain then became colonizers and invaders themselves. She would not uh, have liked being their symbol there, at there, all. There is really no large and successful civilization that did not eventually colonize I'm not saying that. Everywhere. I'm just saying that she wouldn't have liked to be their symbol. I mean, their tribes expanded in a very small way. It, it To me, it's just a matter of capability and organization. If they would have ever organized into a group of... It's like uh, the Vikings. The Vikings expanded their empire through rape, pillage, and a very advanced trade system. Like, they had advanced ideas about yeah. women, but they weren't about afraid of, of raping and pillaging your village. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. For me, it's... I, don't know that she wouldn't have been okay with it if the tables were turned, if she was the attacking this, force. This, I mean, it's not my opinion. This is the opinion of scholars who mm -hmm. have studied her. To yeah. them, they're like, she would hate this. Huh. She would hate her image being used. Everything we know about her, you know, they've said indicates that she would not be thrilled being the figurehead for someone like Leonidas probably so. wouldn't have enjoyed the 300 movie either. I, you know, <laughs> right? Right. It does make me wonder because I remember um, 
oh, who was it? It was an author, I want to say, who who said something about how like real warriors are not pretty. You know, yeah. like especially with the war the way it was waged back then. You yeah. know, well, it's like a uh, real like like bodybuilders for look and and like the strongest men in the world. Mm. It's a very different body type. Very like physical, at you know, usable muscle looks very different than aesthetically pleasing muscle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's the same thing. Yeah, I will. I I think it's interesting too because there's like. I mean, of course, it depends on in genetics and, and, you know, what kinds of workouts, I guess, you do and everything. But, too, you know, there's, like, swimmers' body types and oh, know, yeah. things well, like that. Based on your absolute genetics, like, long, lean people, that's yeah. just what you're going you're gonna to be better at. Which I always find interesting. It, it's, it's really interesting to me how much, like, anatomy can alter and change based on what's needed. I mean, the British have extensive knowledge of that. Just look at their shoulders from the... Years during the hundred, the hundred years war against France, when they had altered right shoulders because uh, they were practicing the longbow on the king's command so many times a, a week, hmm. and you can see it in the, you know, fossils from then. They they have shoulders that were abnormally developed. Yeah, yeah, because they're constantly pulling those huge longbows. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I don't know um... anatomy. <laughs> I like bone markers are it's always been like interesting to me you know mm-hmm. um and i saw an article recently that said like tattoo artists have very similar bone markers to like surgeons and dentists oh nice just because of a the positions that we hold our body and then the types of tools that we use and the length of the time that we work right so all those things kind of accumulate to very similar bone markers which i thought was pretty interesting so, yeah that is neat i could i mean i could see the correlation yeah, yeah yeah so i thought it would be kind of interesting though to like for us to kind of talk about like times that we have either seen somebody like encounter their bully or times where we ourselves have like encountered a bully and handled it you know yeah or maybe rose up in our own way yeah but i thought that'd be kind of a good thing to talk about especially after this yeah you know because rome was her bully and she turned around and was like fuck you <laughs> and, right and and fought back hardcore and then you know kind of became a hatfields and mccoy situation where they both got pretty dirty in the process so <laughs> fair enough <laughs> But yeah, I um I always thought I always liked those stories, I guess. Like even in like writing TV books, things like that, I, I like to see the little guy like fight back and become more I think it's why I think a lot of people do though. I think it's why Captain America is so popular. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. You know, it it's that thing of like rising up and, and becoming more and you know but yeah for a higher cause and not just for self-serving reasons, but in the, in the pursuit of protecting others. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's why I like war heroes so much. Yeah. Yeah. I can get them. I can get that. Superheroes, war heroes, like the, they're the, the idealization of the selfless heroic. Mm-hmm. That That's what I like. Yeah. The, the mythologies that interest me are the ones that circle around a selfless hero. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, I have I have a couple examples of times I physically have stood up to bullies. Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely proud that the only way I was able to handle that situation was by showing that I'm more capably violent than they are. Mm-hmm. So I tend not to dwell on them. 
but I can tell you a time where overcoming a bully was not just satisfying. It was also a little bit of fun. Please do. We have skirted this subject a couple of times. I think we've talked about it in, in, in some detail, depending on the podcast, but... Mm-hmm. Um, well, we had the one manager at the giant retail store that we both worked at in the automotive Uh, department. Yes. And she was a little bit off as it was. Mm -hmm. And this is obviously after you left. Mm -hmm. And I was told to go work on a car in the bay. The safety rule, you know, the safety compliance rules, all that fun stuff say that, uh, you're not allowed to work out there alone. Because if something happens to you, there's nobody that can help you respond to things. Yeah, you're supposed to have. She told me to go more. out there and do it anyway. I basically told her you can't make me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said I, I'm I'm gonna go to our boss who is in the, like the back office, and she got in my way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look, I've never put my hands on an old lady before, but what I can say is that I'm going to start walking in a second. And if you're in my way, I doubt that you're physically capable of stopping me. So I'm going to start walking. And if you're in my way, I'm going to walk through you. Yeah. She understood the seriousness of the situation and moved. And I did. I went and reported her. Well, just a few days later, I was on the job again. And Mm -hmm. somebody had made a comment about something. And she goes, well, oh, you don't want to do that to Tom. He likes to play those games. And I said, well, that sounds like textbook corporate retaliation you're responding to a situation with a way that i had responded to a situation that you got written up for and mm-hmm. then using that to besmirch my name to other employees so i went straight back to the same boss <laughs> and did the same report and sure enough got wrote up twice for the retaliation of the situation i got like a corporate i'm sorry letter and all that fun shit it was cool wow yeah it was one of those where i didn't like lose yeah my cool. I, I do vaguely remember hearing that one i um, didn't lose my cool i didn't get angry i was just like look i'm gonna use the power of the bureaucracy you claim to stand on and i'm gonna mm-hmm. let you choke yourself with it like, malicious compliance yeah yeah exactly i love it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was exactly it too i'm gonna use this it's system. my favorite form of protest <laughs> using the 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 system designed to insulate them to beat them yeah it was fun so i am way more proud of that than any of the times that i have physically responded to a bully yeah yeah that that's just i i am way more proud of the times that i outsmarted them that i did mm-hmm. it the right way than the times that i burned and pillaged yeah yeah and for me it's been i don't know i got bullied a lot I know you remember that. Oh, yeah. I got bullied yeah. a lot. And, like, I dealt with some of those. <laughs> exactly. In a weird twist, like my little brother was my protector. and uh, You had a few that were really good. You had some, some, some great guardian angels who swooped in a couple of times in life, but you definitely dealt with your fair share on your own. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I did. I, I, I got my ass kicked a lot, especially in elementary school. Um, I didn't fit in. I, I, I've always had issues like fitting in places. And I think it's why I got drawn to the tattoo world because that is, it's literally a collection of misfits. It's punks, it's rebels, it's the people who don't quite follow the rules, but aren't going to judge you for not following them either. Yeah, right. You know, there you go. It, it's, a, it's, it's a group of people that are like, look, I'm going to be me, you be you. And if it's not like me, I don't care. Yeah. You know, 
You're not hurting me. I'm not hurting you. We're, exactly. We're both good here. So um, while I don't fit, I guess I consider myself goth and a lot of my dress and presentation. Oh, fair. Um, even though I'm not tradition i'm lazy goth that's what i say i'm i'm lazy goth it's a lot uh, of black clothes and makeup but efficient. not a lot of effort efficient goth <laughs> mom goth yeah there you go tired goth it's tired goth uh, john okay. mulaney has a great joke about that um where he's basically like i get it i'm sad too but i don't want to put on all that shit yeah, yeah no i feel the same way i just can't can't do I just all can't that. muster the energy yeah. to express it that way. Yeah. So. <laughs> I had a brief stint in middle school where I did. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, ever since then, I was like, yeah, it's just good enough to hold the sadness. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> and for me, it's never been about sadness. I just genuinely like the aesthetic. You know, I, I, I like. Oh, I love the music and, and the look, man. And yeah, the, it's music the music and the and look. The look. Exactly, you know, but it's like anything else. Everybody has that one thing that speaks to them, and that's cool. So, whatever it is, you know, yeah. So I've always felt like a bit of a bit of an outcast, and the tattoo world has always been my haven. The problem is, we also work with the public, and the public is not quite hip to what we show. Yeah, <laughs> always. Um, so sometimes you gotta like argue with people. You gotta like fight back. Um, and one of the ones for me that I remember quite strongly is having um, a guy come in and he wanted a tattoo and he looked at me and I was the only artist available at the time I might have been the only one in the shop I don't remember I mean, because thank- I, I was prone to staying late yeah. but um thank god he didn't want a ham sandwich fucking right totally wrong <laughs> spot um but anyway yeah so we were he came in, we were talking a little bit, but he kept looking at me and he goes, look, he goes, I don't know if I want to do this. And I was like, all right. I mean, that's fine. I get it. Sometimes you change your mind. Sometimes you don't want, you know, the tattoo or you're not sure if it's for you. And he goes, no, no, I'm not sure. I want to let a woman tattoo me. <laughs> I, where, as a, I would always prefer a female artist. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people, will, but yeah. So I, I remember like thinking that it would have crushed me. Like, not that long ago. But by that point, I had gotten to a point in my career where I was having a, hey, I'm, I'm kind of good at this shit yeah. moment. So I had more and more confidence yeah. in myself and my ability. Hey, self-confidence is everything you need to deal with bullies, man. It really is. Because yeah. I looked at him and I'm like, okay, well, then go get something worse somewhere else. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Bitch. I'm not, like, this isn't a people pleasing industry. Like, I no. just got to make you happy with the art. Like, exactly. other than that, you can, like, suck my metaphorical dick. Yeah. <laughs> ha! And I love it because I'm the one charging you. And <laughs> he's, like, he's like, well, don't be like that. And I'm like, be like what? You uh, came in here, you insulted me, and now you're mad that I retaliated. Leave. There's the door. Uh, I'm not, I don't have to sit here and take anything from you. Uh, I've worked really hard for my position, I've worked really hard to be where I'm at. And if you can't respect that, you don't belong here. Yeah. And and like I said, though, I would have a very similar reaction to a male tattoo artist. I don't know that I would want a mm-hmm. male tattoo artist. Yeah, like, and, and I, I'm not judging. This isn't this isn't completely meritocratic. I'm not completely judging you on your art or your style or anything like that. You are very much selling yourself yeah. and your own, you know, and your art as much as a package. So. You know, I guess from 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 me, 
I wouldn't mean it insultingly, mm-hmm. but I would say the same thing to a male artist in that position. Yeah. 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 Like, oh man, I like your work, but do you have a chicken here who could lay that on me? <laughs> and I, I kind of get that, like, it, it traditionally has not been a female-dominated industry up until, like, recently, I would say. Yeah. That that dynamic has shifted quite a bit. It has nothing so, to do with, with who dominates the industry for me. It has everything to do with if... There, I mean, you can call it, you know, Oedipus complex shit or whatever. Like, I would, if, if if anyone's touching my body, it might as well be a woman because mother did, and that's good enough. <laughs> like, so, female doctor, female tattoo artist, female dentist. Yeah, I would no. just prefer that. I I would rather that than some six foot six hairy dude digging her out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not for me. No, like, I mean, I guess I get it. I guess I get it. I'm I'm a very performance based. Like, I don't care. Like, I just want you to be good at what you do. <laughs> oh, I mean, I want you to be good at what you do, but the difference between 80, 80% and 81% isn't th- isn't great enough to make me change my mind. Fair enough. Fair enough. If, if she's 80 she's and... really good, by the way. Yeah, that's Gentleman's Jack. That's a, That was the last of that bottle. It's a good one. I actually yeah, enjoyed fair. it more than I thought I would. I'm not a huge Jack Daniels fan. Yeah, I've been sipping at it the whole time, and it's it's mm-hmm. really nice. It's a wonderful sip, isn't it? It's, it is. It's mild enough when you... On it's the initial so sip, and then it, it's Jack on the way down. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah, smooth where I want it, but warm where I want it. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a really... I, nice. I, I don't want to give them credit, <laughs> but... I have to. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a good whiskey. It's a good whiskey. Um, Do you know me to drink anything else? No, that's fair. Oh well, I did warn you away from wh- one of them. Well, yeah, that that is true. You told me at the beginning that I didn't want. I Amanda didn't want doesn't like it. You wouldn't like it. I promise. Yeah. I only like it because of like my connoisseur taste. <laughs> like that is about it. That, that is exactly why when you asked me what I wanted, I said, you pick. Yeah, fair <laughs> like, enough. I connoisseur, you know, I did connoisseur you up I one, did. didn't I? Yes, you did. You did very well. <laughs> I, I feel like I did. You told me what you were looking for and I helped you out. Yeah. Me, I've had actually all of the above so far. I've had everything but the, but the Heaven's Door, which is the one I shied you away from. And I figured I didn't want that on the podcast because I, I'm fairly sure it's like 118 proof. <laughs> And I swear to God. Well, us drunk might be very amusing. I don't think they like yeah. that drunk. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's if I had the same amount of what I had prior to this, I, I'm pretty sure the the word slurge would be uh, Worse. real. Yeah, yeah. Worse? What That's are you saying? Fair. I slur my words? God, you God, you know what? I'm ready. Fucking cut this thing off. Let's read the <laughs> outro. <laughs> uh, man. But yeah, I, I thought that was an, an interesting way to like talk about it i know for for me a lot of my the first time for me being able to conquer my bullies and things like that has been in this career it's been the first time i've really felt empowered enough to stand up for myself and do something isn't that funny when you you gain something for you and you gained a thing called self-confidence yeah it's a crazy and it, it i've put literally a lot of blood sweat and tears into my craft it's what i love doing yeah i agree 100 percent. yeah it's it's one of those things that because of the effort that i've put into it and because of the results of that effort um i gained a newfound confidence for myself that i had not had previously and it has made me i feel anyway i feel like it has made me a better person in general it's made me a better partner and a better mother and just an overall better human being 
Yeah, because people who or who are a complete person who have self-confidence who have a goal and mm-hmm. and you know a, a craft and thing you know something that they devote themselves to those are generally literally by the definition more well-rounded people mm-hmm. you you have more aspects of being rounded yeah yeah, yeah. That, i mean sorry that rounds it's, you it's off it's definitely an, um an argument for finding a job that fits you Oh yeah, it yep. it doesn't even have to be something necessarily that you're passionate or seriously in love with, but a job that brings you satisfaction, yeah, and brings you confidence because you know you can do it well. Yep, that's you what know? I'm doing right now. I, I, yeah. I, I have no particular love for the industry that I'm in or the, mm-hmm. you know, the what what the particulars of the job that I'm doing, mm-hmm. but the recognition and the application of my natural skills are ideal for the position mm-hmm. i don't particularly care but i am known all the way to the highest levels of our company as a guy who gets it done in fact yeah. i was recently called on so it, by the president to do some extraordinary stuff and it's great mm-hmm. i will add though that at least outwardly i've never ever thought of you as somebody that lacked confidence <laughs> like I don't know about your internal Fair. struggles with that, yeah. but outwardly you have always, even since you were very little, presented as yeah. a very confident and outgoing person. I find moments that I lack confidence in a trigger and a reason to push harder into those situations. Mm-hmm. So when something makes me nervous, it gives me more reason to want to do it. It's the same with like with public speaking or mm-hmm. um, doing stand up, anything like that. Um, if it scares you, you want to. If it scares me, me, I want it more. Yeah. I it, it entices me. Why am I scared of it? Why does this make my fucking hand shake? Why does this? You know why? Why after I get done with this, is there this huge rush? Like what? Mm-hmm. What about this that makes me frightened is so satisfying? Yeah. And I end up charging into things that scare me more often than not. That's fair. I feel like I'm kind of the same way with artwork in general. Not not. Um, tattooing so much but when i want to try a project and it scares me you know that's when i feel the need to do it more hands and feet are a good example of that like you'll talk to any artist and one of the things they'll tell you is that hands and feet are terrible to draw so for me i drew them almost obsessively because i wanted to be good at them what you're seeing behind me on this desk the reason i started doing these gumpla models is because i loved the end result i loved seeing everybody else's built ones and seeing the paint and seeing everything they had done to them and then knowing in the back of my mind that the tedium of that and the time and everything else is something that i have a hard time committing to and then i went shit now i have to do it <laughs> so yeah you know when i've been doing this model every every piece that i pull off and i'm like oh man that would look cool with this detail god damn it now i gotta do it and so i have you know been literally doing this these models as an exercise in patience and details and it's good for my brain it's definitely something i lacked and it's something i feared doing but i still was excited for the result yep and now that i find myself investing the time and the detail into it and i'm getting the results i want back i find you know the similar rush again and again yeah. so i keep doing it thank you neurodivergence so, well also i think it's it's kind of like in a way it's overcoming our own our internal bullies yeah 
the things yeah. that tell us we can't do it. Yeah. And I think a lot more people, if they thought of it that way, would realize that they're a lot braver than they think they are. Well, I've always thought I'm not really the artistic one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've had my moments. I can draw if I look at it. I can. Oh, you've got a wonderfully creative mind. I, I, I you can't, always yeah. have. Like even if it's not necessarily toward the fine arts, you've yeah. always been a creator. And and I've always had a problem applying it. Mm-hmm. And so finding reasons to and well, so yes, direction yeah, seemed to be yeah. My well, my own focus seems to always get in the way. I have to have a strong enough end goal in order to make myself go through the process of focus and organization and, and completion. And yeah, it's it. I, I don't know. Like I said, it was definitely a workout that my brain needed that I was scared of and that I was like, OK, well, that's that's what you're doing. Yeah. You need this exercise. So I think if we were to like wrap up with a message, you know, oh man, it would be like. Face your bullies. You know, even if they're just your internal ones. Yeah. Well, even if it's everywhere. just something you don't think you can do, you know, try it. Like, well, keep trying it. And if you're yeah. going to get knocked down, you're going to get your ass beat a little yeah. bit. But we forget we're not supposed to be comfortable all the time. Yep. As, as human yep. beings, I think that's something we constantly forget. We are not meant to be comfortable all the time. Yep. It is that discomfort that pushes us and makes us grow. Yep. No, I, I 100% and, and it's agree. Not, it's not... It doesn't have, it's not pain or abuse. I don't want people to confuse that. Yeah. Don't go whipping yourself in the exactly. basement. But put yourself in a place you're not entirely comfortable, you know, creatively or, you know, something like that. And, and watch yourself grow. Watch yeah. yourself change. Give yourself a bigger vase to grow in. Exactly. You, know, you can't expand your base and your roots if, if you're not giving yourself food and fuel to go from. Exactly. You. And learn to embrace that discomfort. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, learn, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I know it's a cliche, but <laughs> no, it's that's this whole house. That should be the motto above the door of this fucking house. Right? Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Oh, we have so much work to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. But you guys are making progress. It's looking really nice. Thank you. So, and I, and I dig with the vibe you're going for and everything. So, industrial farmhouse. Yeah. Oh, let's go. <laughs> I dig it. I Rockabilly dig it. center. <laughs> All right. Well, we will wrap this up now. Thank you, everybody. Uh, to any new listeners, we really appreciate you being here. To any um, returning listeners, you guys are the fucking best. We love you. And uh, to the paranormal podcasting community, thank you guys for continuing to be there for us. We really appreciate it. So. <sighs> All right. I'm ready to do this. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the other side. See ya. <laughs>